Scandalous grace. Scandalous grace. Would you just bow your heads and just ask the Lord to speak to us today? Jesus, Lord, I'm asking you right now to open up our hearts and our minds and our spirits to receive what your word has today. I'm asking you to fill me up and pour me out upon your people. Lord, let the word of God come alive. Let it be quick and sharp and, uh, than any two-edged sword and let it go to the very core of who we are so that we can see you in a different light, in a brand new light. Lord, I'm thankful for your grace and your mercy. I'm thankful that we have the opportunity to be in your presence here today. We'll be careful to give you praise and glory and honor in all things. In Jesus' name, we pray. The concept of grace, we dealt with it a little bit in Sunday school today, uh, but, but going further than what I even shared in Sunday school, part of the reason that grace is so misunderstood in the world today is because grace doesn't make sense. Grace doesn't make sense. I was listening to a message that I preached a couple of weeks ago while I was trying to get it out on the podcast, and I said something that if they weren't here, somebody might think that I was being disrespectful to the Lord because I said, I'm not the freak, he is. And, uh, and it, it is. Him, the what he has done does not make sense to me. He should not have chosen us because we don't measure up to the standard of his word. And, and he doesn't, I could never be what he wants me to be on my own. But his grace, his grace has wrapped itself around me. Now, if I asked a lot of you what grace means, a lot of you would give me a standard theological answer that is, has rung and echoed through the church world for years, and that is it's God's unmerited favor. And uh, you would be correct. It's God's unmerited favor, but it's more than just favor. Grace is the thing that propels us into accomplishing what God wants to have happen. The problem with grace is grace is hard to accept. It's hard to accept. It's hard to accept grace because we know what we're like where nobody else does know what we're like. And so when God says, I'm going to give you unmerited, that word unmerited means you don't deserve it. I'm going to give you something that you do not deserve. And I mentioned this in Sunday school. That goes against everything that we have ever been taught. It's the opposite. It's the reason why you and I battle in our brains because God is trying to give us something and we're trying to argue with him about how we don't deserve it. Because in our minds, we're trained from the youngest of age that if we're going to get a reward from something, we have something that is required of us. And in Sunday school, I use the concept my mom used to use, Tim, you can't go outside until you clean your room. 
If your room's clean, then you can go outside. If you do the dishes, then you can go here. If you do this, then you get to do this. But the, and the argument is, it's never really voiced necessarily, but the implication is well received. And that is, if I don't do my room, I'm not going out. And if I don't do the dishes, I'm not doing what I want to do because I haven't earned it. And that goes over. Can can you imagine? I had one teacher in all of my teaching, learning, that came into class and they said this, you're all getting A's. Hadn't done anything for the class yet. You're all getting A's. A's. You want to know what? That was the one class that I wanted to do well in. Because it wasn't a fight to reach an A. I already knew I had an A. Now, I don't know how he got away with it, but it was the class that I learned the most in. But most teachers... If you turn in this assignment and this assignment, you do well on this test and you come to class and you don't sleep through class and you don't talk through class and you treat, behave yourself, pro, I will grade you based on your actions. And then we get into adulthood and we start looking for spouse material. And in the courting season, if you will, the trying to attract someone season, if you will, you are not worried about what you can do for them. You are worried about what they are going to do for you. I can't be seen with that lady because, man, she would drag me down. I can't see, be seen with him because his behavior just it doesn't line up. I can't, I can't imagine being around that guy for any time. I don't want this because, and, and during the whole courting season, we, and believe me, I know it because we did it. We've all done it. I know it because I've done enough premarital counseling to realize that, oh, some people are in for a rude awakening when they say I do. Because their whole concept is what that person is going to bring to the relationship. And what can I just tell you that when we came together as a couple, that we didn't have lighter luggage? We doubled the luggage. She brought everything that she carried to our marriage. I brought everything I carried to our marriage. And now the only difference is we're both carrying both of our luggage. Because ingrained in us, Before we were together, it wasn't about what I could do for her. It was about what she could do for me. And so I dressed in a way to attract her and I acted in a way to attract her. And then when we got married, she changed how I dressed. I had the greatest set of suit coats. Now, see, in the college that I went to, you had to wear a shirt, tie, and coat every day. And so I didn't really have any money, so I found about eight great sports coats from Goodwill. And when I got to school, there's nothing wrong with it. But when I got there, they didn't match. Or maybe they matched, but I didn't know that they didn't match. 
And, then, and, and so by the time we got, to, we got married, I no longer shopped at Goodwill or Target or, or, or Walmart. It was structure. It was, what was the other? There was another one. And places that I never dreamed I'd ever walk into. Why? Because I knew what she had to offer me in my relationship. And I started to do things so that I could impress her because I was trying to win her. Okay? We can't accept the fact that from the very beginning, God just said, it doesn't matter what you do, who you are, where you go, what you say, what you think, I'm going to love you anyhow. It doesn't register with us. It's a battle that you and I have to fight with on a daily basis that his grace is so scandalous. Can I just tell you that if there was somebody out there on God's level, obviously there's not, but if there was, if there was four or five, they would meet in a restaurant and they would begin to talk and they would say, man, can you imagine what that guy God did? Did you see who he wanted to hang out with? Did you see who he gave his resources to? Did you see who he fed? Did you see who he ministered with? Did you see the, that woman and that man, that, that couple, that, that God, did you see who they had, he had dinner with? Because it doesn't register with us. It does not make any sense. It's scandalous. And because it's hard to accept, it's hard to believe. Can I tell you that part of the reason why there is not more conversions isn't necessarily because the church isn't doing their job. It's not because there isn't opportunity. It's not because there aren't people out there spreading the gospel. It's because the people that are hearing are saying because it's so hard to understand the concept that he could love us and give us grace no matter what, that it's hard for us to believe. And so those people that we're dealing with no matter what scope of society that they are on, when they look at it, they don't, they see, they understand that they're not what they are supposed to be. And they understand that God, they, they need God and they understand that, that, that they're a mess and they understand that they think the wrong way and act the wrong way and do the wrong things. But it doesn't make sense that God would love them and because they can't accept the fact that grace is that way, it's hard for them to believe that. And so when you and I sit and talk to them, it's almost like words that are hitting the, uh, a, a brick wall and it's bouncing and it's until they come to a place where they can step back from it and say, I may not understand it. It may not make any sense to me, but if it's real, I want it. And when they do that, then they can begin to believe. And when they begin to believe, then they can receive. Grace. It's scandalous. You see, grace, this is, this is how scandalous grace is. Uh, God's unmerited favor, but let me, let me bring it down to your level and my level today. Let me just put it right at our front door. Grace is what God does for people that we would never do for them. Ouch. Grace is what God will do for somebody that you and I would never think of doing for that person. 
I would like to think that if a family member that I know loved me and I loved them, that I would pay the ultimate price for their well-being. I'd like to think that I would do that. I would like to think that if it was Owen or me, I'd be willing to lay my life down for my son. But the Bible goes one step further. And he says it this way. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were at enmity with him, he gave us grace. There's one command. There's all kinds of commands in scripture, but there's one that that I struggle with and we all struggle with, and that is simply this. Love your enemies as yourself. Do good to them that despitefully use you. Because when you do, you're exercising grace. Grace doesn't make sense. It's a a scandal. It costs everything to the giver and nothing to the receiver. Are you getting kind of the picture of what? There is a principle in scripture that the Bible says don't loan money to a friend or a family member. You give it to them. Because a loan is not graceful. If a loan was graceful, it would be a whole lot easier to live. But that 4 to 7 to 12 to 20% is not very graceful. Right? So God says, don't do it. When you give, it costs the giver everything. It costs the receiver nothing. No one is too bad to be saved. He starts, you've got to catch this. This is how scandalous grace is. It blows my mind. There is one person in scripture that God declares is a man after his own heart and he was a murderer and an adulterer so that's the standard of grace and then everything else God does is just below that God own heart Well, pastor, I've never murdered anybody. I've never committed adultery. No, but you've fallen underneath the concept of sin. Everything, nothing we do is good. All of our righteousness is as filthy rags is what the scripture says. It's a mess. That's where he starts at. Think of that. The flip side, though, is there are some people that think they're too good to be saved Bible says it this way in King James version they think too highly of themselves more highly than they ought to think you see when you reject grace you reject him 
Now, now, now listen. I said when you reject grace, you reject him. I didn't say when you reject God's grace, you reject him. When you reject the principle of grace, you are rejecting him because that's what he all is all about. When you reject somebody else's favor, when, you re- when I show grace to you or you show grace to me, when we reject that grace, we are rejecting God because re- grace is a, an expression of God himself. God cannot separate himself from get grace. It's not just another tool in his tool belt. It's not just another miracle in, in his repertoire. It is absolutely who he is for by grace is, uh, or grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. When he was born of a virgin in Bethlehem, grace was originated in, in order for the church to have, you can't separate the concept of grace from him. And so when you reject it, you are rejecting him. Grace reminds us that it's a gift and cannot be earned. See, here's the thing that you and I have to realize. And I don't know why it's come strong that today in both Sunday school. God doesn't dispense wages. He dispenses gifts. God doesn't operate on a wage scale. There is no minimum wage with God. There is no maximum wage with God. Grace keeps us in a place if we understand it from looking down on ourselves. How many have just, just in your heart, honestly, you've looked in the mirror and you said, how could God choose me? I have messed up so many times. I have treated him so unfairly. But when you understand the concept of grace, you can lift your head. And the scripture says it this way in the Psalms, lift up your head, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory will come in. Somebody just needs to lift your head today. Yes, you've messed up. Yes, you've done some terrible things. Yes, you think you're not any good. But the Bible says, my grace is sufficient for you. Stop thinking of yourself so highly as you ought to think, but also don't think of yourself so lowly as you ought to think. You're still his, and he's still given you grace. In this passage and I'll be done in just a couple of minutes. In this passage, you have to understand some things about this scripture. A Jewish day would start at 6 a.m. and go to 6 p.m. So when you read it's the third hour of the day, that's 9 a.m. If you read that it's the ninth hour of the day, that's 3 p.m. Okay, They, they don't distinguish from 6 to 6 at night, that's just night. Okay, but six in the morning to six at night is a day in, in, in the minds of a Jew. And, and so what would happen as in some markets that are still this way today, a, a landowner or somebody that was hiring workers would go to town at the beginning of the day and he would walk through. And when the Bible says that they were standing around doing nothing, it doesn't really mean that they were lazy. It just means nobody had hired them yet. 
that's what they would do. They would stand around and loiter until somebody would come through and hire them to do a job. Well, at the beginning of the day, the the landowner came through and set up a deal with the workers that were there that said, I'll give you a full day's wage if you'll start working now until it's time to, to be done at the end of the day. And it was about a denarii, if you will. A day's wage was what was, you know, what would be the equivalent of you and I working for, you know, 10 hours and getting paid whatever we got paid. So it was a full day's wage. And they were excited. I'm going to get paid for the full day. And because it was harvest season and the lands were busy and there was all kinds of commotion, he went around nine o'clock and then he went around at noon and then three all, all day long and he's realizing that there's more people standing and there's more work to be done and so he hires people at 6 a.m. and then he hires people at 9 a.m. and then at noon and then at three and he comes at five o'clock, one hour before the end of the day and he hires the last few people that was there that day to come and work for, for, for an hour. And when they get out there, it's hot. It's, it's, the, the Bible uses the word scorching. It was so hot and, and, and they were tired and they were beat down and they were thankful for the help that came because they weren't all doing it themselves. But when the time came to earn their wage for the day, the landowner in this parable, God himself, tells the, 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 the manager, okay, let's, let's pay them, but start with the last people first. And I want you to give them, those that work from five to six, I want you to give them a full day's wage. And then the next level, those that we hired at three, give them a full day's wage. At noon, give them a full, all the way back. And when they did it, it I, you know, we, we, we can look at this story and criticize those that worked all day, but you and I would most likely be in the same boat. What do you mean? I have worked 12 hours in the heat and they did nothing for 11 hours. They just came in in the last hour and really it was just cleanup because we were already wrapping up for the day and you're giving them the same that I worked. I, I did it all day. They did it for an hour. And you're paying them the same thing. The Bible says these guys thought they were gonna get paid more and the landowner looked at them and said, wait, 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 wait. Did you not agree to work a day for a day's wage? Well, yeah, yeah. And the Bible says that they protested. In the tense that it's written, it means that they were whining about it continuously. It wasn't just a one-time deal. They were, they were, they were complaining to the landowner. And he said, no, 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 you agree. Did I, what did I do wrong? You said you'd work this time and I'd pay you this. What right do you have to tell me what I have to pay for the person at five o'clock? Because grace is scandalous. It doesn't make sense. But can I tell you that there are times in my life that I've wondered, God, that ain't fair. This first hit me when I was in college. I worked for a hotel the front desk from 11 to 7, 11 p.m. to 7, and uh, two or three nights a week. And a, a friend of ours, he worked there as well, so the two of us worked there on off nights. And in this particular area of the, 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 the hotel's name was Arborgate Inn, and in, in that area, it was drug-infested. 
And so most of the night, it was the kind of hotel where you walked in and at night you closed the bulletproof glass, <laughs> one of those kinds. And, 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 and so we would see these drug dealers come and they'd pull into our parking lot and they'd pull into the area in the back and they would, they would pull out just, I mean, wads and wads of cash, you know, insane amount of money. And, and here we're sitting there and we talked about it. Number one, we're going to a school that you can't get loans for. So everything is being paid out of our pockets. Number two, we're going to school to be preachers. <laughs> Number three, I'm working in the middle of the night when I should be sleeping. And I'm punching out at seven and racing to grab a bite to eat before I have to get to my first class in the morning where I have to fight to stay awake in order to be a preacher. And these drug dealers are making all kinds of money hand over fist and I'm struggling to make a school bill. God doesn't make sense. Until I met some converted drug dealers. Then it made sense. Don't ever allow yourself to look at the person across from you or next to you or who you're raising or who you're married to or who is raising you and criticize for what God has done in their life. But God, I gave and I gave and I gave. And this little rascal comes in, hasn't given a penny, hasn't done anything, and now they're getting used. And it's one of the reasons why I don't want to know who gives and who doesn't in this church. If you're new here, I don't know who, whether you give financially or not, unless you're a leader. And then when you're a leader, I don't know what you give as long as you're giving faithfully. Taryn is the only one in here that knows who gives and who doesn't. Because I never want to get up and preach thinking, that person is just sucking it dry. <laughs> hey, I'm being real. There's pastors that know and they'll fashion their sermons because they know that person's in church and they haven't been giving faithfully and so I'm gonna preach a message thinking that God's directing me and it's really because I looked at the registers. Listen, whether you give a penny to this church or you don't give, now, if you don't give a penny to this church, it's your loss. And we'll teach on that before the end of the month because there's freedom in that. But, but, but whether you give a penny or not, I am never going to, to judge whether or not God's moving in your life greater than he's moving in my life because I've done this or I've done that. Listen, I have served him for years and years and, and I've seen some of you that have come to him brand new that don't know a thing about the word of God, but you're an open book and you've got a different story. It would just be ridiculous for me to, to look at you and say, you don't have anything going on. You've got the same grace I have. 
You've got the same Jesus. You see, here's the message of the story. The message of the story is God believes in level ground. And whether you come at the first or you come at the last, God's going to elevate all of us to the same level. And not, I didn't say bless us at the same level. He's all going to elevate. We're all standing on level ground at the foot of the cross. It doesn't matter what background we have. It doesn't matter what we've done, what we've deserved, what we've earned. If you receive his grace, it is so scandalous. Jesus, remember me. Remember me. I want you to notice in that, it's the thief on the cross. He never repents. He never even says, I'm sorry, I've I've been... He just says, I don't deserve, or I deserve this, you don't. But remember me. And Jesus says, this day, this day, you're going to be with me in paradise. Can I just tell you that some of us, me included, if I was standing down there trying to hold Mary up as she's weeping and crying and exasperated because her boy is on a tree and I have spent the last three and a half years and Jesus is on a tree and I've seen all the good and I've seen all the bad and I've experienced the ridicule and I've experienced the, the agony of following him and here's this joker who deserves to be on the tree, who deserves to pay the price and Jesus is forgiving him. Are you serious? I'm trying to be a preacher. John, here's your mom. Mom, here's your son. John's standing there. Oh, sure. Now, I'm responsible for his mom. And this joker up here on the cross is getting to go to paradise. Listen, we've all done it at a certain level. We've all looked at it. This person doesn't deserve this. This person doesn't. If this person would ever get their act together. Can I just tell you what I have learned in the ministry? Is this. None of us have our act together. Grace, it's not only amazing, but it is scandalous. I want to close with this concept. God didn't give you grace just so you would have grace. God gave you grace so that you would give it away. I've got to tell you, it's one of the hardest things that we will ever do and ever learn because it's so scandalous and so unfair to show grace Judas Iscariot comes walking in with the temple guard in the Mount of Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus walks out. Jesus looks at Judas, the one that he knows has just betrayed him. And he says, my friend, 
Why have you come? Petulant, immature Simon doesn't embrace it so well. He pulls out the sword and he cuts off Malchus' ear. And Jesus, no, no, no. You're getting it wrong, Simon. Picks up the ear and heals the, the, the guard. You would think that would register with the disciples, but it still hasn't registered. The Bible says that Simon Peter, that immature, petulant individual, went nose to nose because he didn't think that the Apostle Paul could be used of God because what Paul did to the church. And the Bible says that there was argument about it. There was infighting between the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter, the father of the church, if you will, and the legislator of the church, the one that gave us a half of the New Testament or more than half of the New Testament, and the one that gave us the sermon on the day of Pentecost. Simon Peter and, and the apostle Paul went head to head because Simon didn't understand grace. Because grace is scandalous. And we are meant and designed to give it away. Can I tell you what that means? That means when somebody does us wrong, whether they ask us to be forgiven or not, we show grace. We show favor that's not merited, that doesn't make sense, that is scandalous. It's got to be the hardest thing we do. I declared that, that, that February was a month of freedom. I believe that. And I believe one of the things that will make us free is when we learn how to give grace away. There's somebody here today that you are holding on to something. You're holding on to a grudge. You're holding on to a root of bitterness. You're holding on to something that really is eating a situation apart. God has walked into this place to say, if I would have allowed that between you and I, you would not be here today. But I showed you grace. And if you'll show this situation grace, it will release you and free you Can I tell you why it doesn't matter what your background is that you can come to God? The reason is, is because when he hung on the tree, he looked out amongst the multitudes and he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He was displaying grace. He was giving favor where they didn't deserve it. He was giving favor where they didn't earn it. And because of that, grace has been extended from the throne room of grace to you and I today 
so that no matter where we're at, we can receive his favor. There is a depth of his spirit here. I, I know we're not jumping and shouting, and, but there, God has stepped into somebody's heart right now and is speaking to them. Can I just tell you that grace in operation will always release you from the bitterness that has enraptured you? There, I, I, I'm struggling with the words because... I, I just, there's a heaviness in my heart that, that God is trying to release somebody. You see, grace applied to us is always good and right. But grace given to others disturbs us. Pastor, you don't understand how my boss treated me. No, you don't understand how Judas treated Jesus. Well, pastor, you don't understand how my kid treated me and how disrespectful he was of me. Listen, there's, there's a place for respect, but there's also a place for grace. Well, pastor, you don't understand how my friends treated me and you don't understand how my spouse treated me and you don't understand the, the chaos. And the, listen, God had more chaos and you offended God much more than anybody on earth could offend you. And yet he still gave you grace. So why aren't we releasing grace? Well, here's the reason why most of us don't. Because we think we're better than the person that we're holding a grudge against. And then the second thing is, we think that if we show grace, we're approving of what they're doing. God never approved of what the disciples were. He didn't approve of what the sinner does. He didn't approve of the, the thief on the cross. In spite of what they earned, he gave. Because God understands that if I can get grace into their hearts and grace flowing through them, they will be released to do what I want them to do. You see, I love you because I know he loves you. And because he has shown me grace, there is nothing that can surprise me about people's lives anymore. I think I've heard it all. And every time I sit down with somebody and I hear something that is seeming, here's what's whispered in the back of my mind. Give them grace. Can I just, I, I don't know. What, I'm just trying to follow him right now and I don't understand all of what's going on in the spirit yet. I'm just speaking based on what I believe God is trying to. Listen, my wife and I have been criticized by people because we have shown people grace. And we have used them even when they didn't deserve to be used. And somebody has sat back in the pew and judged us because we're using somebody that doesn't have all their ducks in a row. 
that hasn't mastered their situation. Can I just tell you, if God can use a Matthew, then I can use a cheat. Do I want them to stay in that mode? No. Is there a responsibility of me to help change them and to make it better and to draw them closer to the Lord? Absolutely. It's not my job to judge them and it's not your job to judge us. It's his job. And when I say that we would be free, if there would ever come a time when we would release people just to be people, knowing that they're going to mess up, knowing that they are going to offend, knowing that they are going to irritate you to no end, to know that they are going to just mess with you and irritate you and scrape against you. But you step back and you say, even so, I will show grace and mercy because he shows grace and mercy. I invite you to stand. His grace and mercy does not require us not to change, not to grow, not to become more like him. His grace is not a candy stick that says, I can do whatever I want to do because his grace is there. Paul said, God forbid that that's what you think. But his grace will get you to a point where he can transform you. Our grace with one another doesn't approve of what's going on. It doesn't paint over the mistake. What it does is it releases us to a point where that situation can begin to change and transform and become right again. Today, as they begin to play, I know that this is totally, if you're a guest here, this is totally different than the way I normally do things. But there is such an urgency for us to receive grace because there are people here that have been beating themselves up. Stop it. Receive grace. It's scandalous. It doesn't make sense. It's hard to accept. But do it anyway. But as I have preached, there has been a convicting spirit that has entered this place that is convicting somebody because you have not been graceful even though you have been grace filled don't get me wrong it is not a spirit of condemnation I silence the voice of the enemy that's trying to condemn you who is hearing what I'm saying right now. That is a lie from the pit of hell. You are not condemned. You do not need to walk away from here with your head hung low. You do not need to walk away from here feeling that there's no hope. This is the spirit of conviction that says, if I just reach out to him, he is going to step in and take care of the situation. 
So here's what I want us to do. If you have been battling the concept of receiving his grace or battling the concept of giving his grace, would you step into an aisle and step toward the front? Even now, do it quickly. Do it quickly. Yeah. come right across the front, come up front so the people can come in behind you in the name of Jesus. Come in behind them. Let's support these folks in prayer. But here's what we're going to do. Those that came forward.